Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Dr. Ed Cohen is the Executive Vice President of Pharmacy Advocacy for MJH Life Sciences, the largest privately held healthcare media business in North America. He works on behalf of pharmacies and pharmacists to bring them information and ideas that can enhance their practice and impact their patient care services. Prior to this, Dr. Cohen served as the Senior Director of Clinical Solutions for Walgreens and as the Director of Pharmacy Operations for Safeway Corporation. In addition to his corporate experiences, he has held several faculty positions and earned numerous professional certifications and industry awards. Dr. Cohen has also made major contributions to the content direction of Pharmacy Times Magazine as a member of its editorial board. He holds a Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Midwestern University and a Bachelor's degree from the University of Illinois at Chicago. Hello, Dr. Cohen. Welcome to the Healthcare and Hire podcast. Good day, sir. How are you this fine and lovely winter day? I, I'm blessed, I'm warm, and I have a cup of coffee right next to me. I don't think I could ask for anything more, and your company. So I don't think I could ask well, anything more. thank you very more. much. You and I have had a very extensive history over the course of our career. We've known each other for a very long time. And I believe that there will be many people that are listening to this podcast that will also have known you for quite a long time. But there are a few that are meeting you for the first time. So what I'd like to do is for you to be able to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how does your role take healthcare to a higher level? So currently, I am the Executive Vice President of Pharmacy Advocacy at uh, Michael J. Hennessy at Life Sciences. It is a healthcare uh, communications company, uh, the largest privately held uh, company, healthcare community company in the uh, United States. And um, my role is... uh, very extensive. Um, I cover business development, innovation, external relationships. I support our business development team, our editorial team, and our education team. So at the bottom of all of that is uh, I am the company's uh, key liaison to community pharmacy practice. Uh, My passion has always been community practice, uh, community pharmacy practice. Um, My initial dream when I decided to be a pharmacist a long time ago, uh, was to own a corner drugstore and be that pharmacist that helped the neighborhood with their healthcare needs. 
And uh, since that time, I have had the opportunity and I've been very blessed uh, with a wonderful career and opportunities that have exceeded uh, all of my expectations and dreams. So I uh, started out as an independent community owner. Uh, when my store, uh, unfortunately, did go out of business, uh, I transitioned to a grocery pharmacy and uh, became director of pharmacy at Dominic's, a uh, food chain here in the Chicago market, and did that for a number of years. And uh, that chain also uh, suffered some hardship and went out of business. And uh, then I transitioned to corporate Walgreens where I served many different roles um, in their uh, clinical development office. But also while at Walgreens, I was their liaison to Pharmacy Times. And uh, that was part of what led me to my current position. I, I want to take a step back here for a moment because I know it's very difficult to talk about yourself, but you know the value and the work, the work that you do is really critical to healthcare providers and healthcare executives across the country. Um, and many people may or may not be familiar with MJH Life Sciences or Michael J. Hennessy and Associates. So for the listeners that are listening today, I think most of you are probably going to familiarize yourself instantly when I mention some of the publications and the media outlets that MJH Life Science is responsible for. So of course, as a pharmacist, uh, I am instantly drawn to any and every email and magazine uh, publication I get from Pharmacy Times and Drug Topics. I know many of my medical colleagues are also very, very familiar with medical economics, uh, as well as the American Journal of Managed Care. Um, and then I also have several uh, dentists that are very familiar with uh, your dental uh, dentist money digest. And there are over, if I'm not mistaken, 25 different uh, publications that specialize in either oncology, primary care, pharmacy. At some point, Every healthcare professional has had a touch with one of your media uh, media outlets or publications. I can almost guarantee it. Um, and so that's and why I'm very happy to have you on the show is because, you know, we as healthcare professionals and healthcare executives, we're very patient, uh, patient outcomes driven, um, you know, systems uh, driven for efficiency. And we are always looking to be able to help advance the care that we provide. But as providers and executives, we need attention, information, and education as well. So really glad you're on the show with us today, Ed. I think the other thing that the listeners should be aware of is how large uh, MJH Life Sciences really is. I know that you mentioned it is the largest privately held media uh, business in North America. But you know, when I think about the number of uh, subscribers or members or people that access your publications, that's three and a half million providers across the country. That is incredibly, it, it's almost in its own sphere. Uh, so I'm, I'm really impressed with that. And again, uh, that's where we're going to want to dig deep and, and start learning a little bit more about, you know, some, some, some challenges that you as uh, in the position that you're in. You mentioned previously, you're sort of like, you know, uh, I don't want to call it a jack of all trades, but you wear a lot of hats. Uh, you yes. wear a lot of hats, Ed. You are in business development. You're in uh, relationship building. Uh, you're very much also at crisis centers whenever some things you know, blow up. Um, talk to me a little bit. And, and I think that anyone that's listening to this podcast, and you and I can agree, the last two years have been nothing like anything that we've ever experienced before. Whether you are a patient, a provider, an executive, um, in any capacity, the whole world has been flipped upside down. And many organizations have had to try and accommodate, adjust, um, and invent new things. But I'd like to understand a little bit more. Your company was founded for the sole purpose. 
like, I guess, what is the mission of MJH Life Sciences? And what is maybe a challenge that MJH Life Sciences has decided to address because they recognize it's a huge issue and or a success that maybe you have been, you and your team may have been instrumental in in helping to resolve? Well, the company started out as a, uh, a, a print-only publication. So if you can think back um, a number of years and to for my, my group, my age group, uh, print was king long ago. And what we've been able to do over time and what we've truly been able to embrace over these last two years is we're able to meet our audience wherever they would like us to join them. So if it's print, if it's uh, digital, if it's video, if it's audio uh, as a podcast, um, we're able to provide content in the in the fashion in which they would like to receive it. So uh, we had all the infrastructure uh, being built, uh, in, and uh, we did also pride ourselves on a uh, very robust live program offering. And over the last two years, we flipped all of our live content and we did it all virtual. So we were able again to pivot quickly and uh, meet our uh, listeners, if you will, uh, or readers uh, exactly where they needed to be. And uh, we've achieved great success in the last two years because we were able to fill in that space where when live went away for the short term that it did, uh, we were able to pivot quickly and provide that solution for many of our clients and our audience to provide them with the information and education that they needed uh, right at their fingertips. The omni-channel aspect of your company is really critical. And I think most companies have been aware, but not as advanced, right? I think that they understood that as the world grows, the technology advances, uh, professionals uh, across the board, regardless of your healthcare discipline, need to have access in different places at different times. And they enjoy different experiences at different moments. So I'm really proud to, to see and hear that. You mentioned something that caught my ear just a moment ago, Ed, and that is, you know, when live went away for the short time that it did, um, you know, you were able to be uh, able to accommodate the needs of your members and subscribers. Um, you know, right now, you and I are looking at a situation where while vaccines and even pills have been uh, approved, uh, there's also another variant that is now out and about and starting to wreak havoc in, in the different spaces. What's your prediction for the future of both healthcare education and live in-person meetings? Like, how do you see the world? Do you see us continuing down this trajectory of ambiguity and you know uncertainty and hesitancy before we make a stand and say, "Hey, you know, come what may, we're going to move forward in this space"? Or what are some changes that MJH Life Sciences is preparing to uh, introduce that will be either light years ahead of the air competition? or just as a benefit to the people that rely on your services? Well, I think what we've done uh, is create that omni-channel experience uh, for all of our uh, listeners and readers, and uh, they've embraced that. And I don't think it's going away. Um, I believe that the movement, uh, the change in the workplace, uh, the fact that um, we're able to do this today, right, from our homes, and connect together uh, makes it very convenient and enjoyable. Um, 
and successful. And we've realized that as well. We love the in-person. Don't get me wrong. We want to go back to in-person. We find that, you know, getting together with people face-to-face and having those interactions are uh, so rewarding. However, we do understand that uh, from a business perspective, uh, this is perfect. And it's something that's desired. It's never going to go away. I predict that it will never go away. In fact, it'll grow and enhance and the technology will rise to offer additional um, and more robust content um, and more engaging for the listeners. So um, that's my prediction. I agree. I agree. And I, I would say that, that this will become probably, you know, I know that there are so many people that have mixed feelings on this, right? They want to go back to a live in-person event and shake hands and meet new people. Uh, but I, I do believe that it's more convenient. It's more, you know, accessible. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the live programs or the virtual programs that MJH Life Science has is looking to do this upcoming year. I think that that would be very helpful for a lot of the the listeners today, so that they can prepare and maybe even schedule an opportunity to, to participate for the first time. What we've done over time is uh, truly uh, develop a program that makes us unique in the marketplace. So we have what, what we call a strategic alliance partner program. And what we've done is uh, we've gone out to the institutions where all of the uh, healthcare is taking place, hospitals, health systems, the ambulatory care arena, uh, what I'll call for purposes of our conversation, the retail space, community practice, uh, even colleges of pharmacy and partner associations. We've gone out and embraced these organizations as partners, true partners, to create content, relevant content, going into these institutions, finding their key opinion leaders, and embracing them in conversation, in uh, research, where they are guiding us at every level. So um, as you spoke to earlier, um, if you're a healthcare practitioner in the United States today, you're probably being touched or touching one of our publications. And uh, from physicians to nurse practitioners, physician assistants, dentists, uh, even veterinarians, we have a complete um, uh, animal health division. Yes, from a live event perspective in 2022, we're struggling uh, today to uh, be able to have relevant live events that will draw um, enough individuals to be successful. Back in the fall, October, November timeframe, we had some events that drew upwards of 200 people because times were a little bit different. As we see today in January, uh, things are a little more tense. So we're going back to more virtual offerings and staying away from the live events. But we anticipate come um, late winter, early spring, when things loosen up a bit, people can get back outside, uh, that we'll go back to some live events. And we're very creative in our live events. We, we go all over the country um, and we really try to uh, provide information and content that's good for our clients uh, and also our listeners. So we, we really uh, have our ear uh, to the ground and listening to what our clients are developing and what information they would like folks to know. And then on the other side, what do our, our readers and our listeners want to know when we're meeting them at those points. We're at every major association event, either in person or virtual. 
We cover probably, I would say, over 100 different association meetings throughout the year. And um, with multiple events at these meetings, uh, both informational and um, continuing education, because we have a division not only for pharmacy education, but also for medical education and others. So we're able to really provide a full array and depth and breadth of, of activities uh, at these major meetings. And right, you know, we, we're embracing small local um, associations uh, all over the country and providing uh, programming for them as well. That's that's exciting. Again, the omni-channel aspect of how you guys are operating is really critical. And you know, 2022 I think will be a, a banner year for many many healthcare professionals. There's a lot of changes that are taking place in the industries. And being pharmacists, you and I both, um, you know, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of things that have come across my radar in the last couple of weeks or months, um, because I think it's interesting. Just that you know, as as members and representatives of the profession. Um, you know, we're seeing changes that we have seen happen in the past. We're old pharmacists. I think you and I can both say that without, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Um, this is, you know, we've seen ups, we've seen downs, we've seen droughts, we've seen you know, an abundance of supply, you know, a, a variety of things. But, you know, when I take a look and I see some of the conversational pieces, even hashtags like pizza is not working, you know, circulating throughout uh, the social media sphere and the sentiment from practicing professionals today, it's it's a little bit louder. It's a lot louder, um, and it's a lot more different than what it has been. And you know the the level of frustration that I see and hear from my own clients that are pharmacists as well as other healthcare professionals, uh, but mostly pharmacists is is very palpable. I mean, I can feel their disappointment, their frustration, uh, and many of them that come to me are looking for guidance and advice uh, from my business, but. You know, it's a different vibe for me being, you know, a 20 year pharmacist. And, you know, I kind of like to tap into what your thoughts are when you see some of the frustration that's being vented by you know, pharmacists today. You know, what do you think are some of the reasons that are leading to the outcry and the, the roar, uh, you know, of, 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 of sentiments that are being expressed today? And, you know, I just like to kind of get your thoughts on in terms of like, what solutions do you think might exist um, that maybe pharmacists haven't tapped into yet or are just starting to? Well, you, you know, it, it brings up a mul so many thoughts and, and different points. And I'll start with this. My personal um, statistic, it's not scientific, so please, you know, you can quote me on this, but it, it's only my number. But I believe that upwards of 98% of all practicing pharmacists today are employee pharmacists. So with that thought, and then you combine that thought with several things that are going on in, in the marketplace today, um, we hear about this great resignation. And um, the great resignation is actually a positive uh, activity because what's happening is people are leaving jobs that they were not happy doing and moving on to different opportunities that they may enjoy at a higher level. So kudos to those folks. If they're resigning for their current position and they wanna make a change, majority of the people that are leaving jobs today are moving on to other jobs and opportunities that they'll enjoy, or at least they believe that they'll enjoy uh, at a higher level. In healthcare today, 
and over the last two years, we have been called upon like never before. It's a relentless, ongoing task and in just a, a, a surge of patients. There is no end to the number of patients that are coming to the pharmacy, to the hospital, to the ambulatory care center. People are needing so much care and attention. And the fact that pharmacy has become the immunization center for the United States, where upwards of 80% of all immunizations provided in this country have been provided in a pharmacy. The amount of stress that's on all of healthcare is, is crushing, absolutely crushing. So you take all this stuff, we're all employees, we have this tremendous stress that's just not letting up. We're very frustrated, we're not happy. Some of us have moved on to other roles and some of us are just sitting and saying, what do I do? And how do I, how do I relieve my frustrations? And you know what? what, the number one thing that most pharmacists don't understand is communication and expressing what you're feeling to your superiors is not a negative thing. Your superiors, their job is to get you to do what they need, but they're also going to listen to whatever it is you think and feel, and they will respond to that because it's not their job to have turnover, constant turnover in the workplace because that, that's a very expensive and crushing um, uh, activity. If you're continually working through churn of your employees, you will never be a successful business. So don't be afraid to, to speak up and, and have those conversations and look for the solution. What is the cause? Understand the cause and then work to find a solution that will work not only for you, but also within the company that you're working. And you know what, when I first graduated pharmacy school, they, they told us day one, uh, as they handed us our diplomas, that you will all get a job. But it was guaranteed that the job you will get will not be your favorite job, mm-hmm. nor the job you will have for your entire career. And that was probably the best advice that was ever given. And it's true today. Uh, The new generation of graduates are looking and changing jobs at a rapid pace, much more so than you or I. The day of, you know, being at a company for 20 years, those days are gone. So it's, it's not unusual to see some activity, some movement, some change. The great resignation is not a negative thing. People are truly embracing new and different challenges. And you know what? This work from home thing uh, has got a lot of people uh, rethinking how they want to do their job. And, uh, you know, you you hear about pharmacists just getting frustrated in community practice and just walking off the job. Well, you and I both know we graduate with tremendous debt. And then we go off and form our lives, homes, cars, cars credit card bills and you know you can't yes you have you get married you have children you have tremendous responsibilities so you just can't get up and leave so you have to really think through and, and come up with a solution so I think it's it's something that um, there are solutions I think we can really um, and we really should embrace the positive changes to pharmacy that's come in the last two years I mean we have truly gotten recognition in in ways that we have never, had before. The fact that we're providing 
this immunization service across the country. We're the number one provider of this service is a feather in our, our hats. But of course, if you're frustrated because you're filling 250 prescriptions a day and having to give 100 immunizations, it doesn't matter that the profession has moved forward because you're not truly benefiting from that. You At least you don't feel the benefit. So I, um, I like how you've defined that, Ed, because I think, you know, there, there's an ownership on everyone's part. This is my opinion, right? This is just, yes. you know, again, this is like a LinkedIn poll. There's not a scientific study, but this is just a simple an observation, which is, you know, yeah. whenever there's a problem, there's more than just, you know, the person who is saying, hey, uh, this is wrong. Like there are many people that need to take ownership of it. Uh, from an employer perspective, you know, this is again, my opinion, employers need to recognize that there are gaps in the system. They need to try to repair them or rehaul, you know, revamp them. Uh, and they need to really be attentive and attuned to their employees and what they're saying. At the same time, as you pointed out, an associate that may or may not feel a part of that profession's pride or pride in their profession from the advancement level um, and the ability to communicate their, their challenges and frustrations, that also creates another issue. What I find most interesting in this conversation is, is that how many providers that are leaving their profession, whether they are pharmacists, nurses, medical doctors, uh, any other healthcare, even healthcare executives, um, you know, there's, there's either a reluctance or in, in uncomfortability in expressing what the situation is and defining it for the sake of repair. And I think that that's where really things can, that's where things break down. So I love how you put yes. that because I think that if people recognize like, hey, I, I'm going to take it upon myself to talk to my supervisor, my supervisor's supervisor, bringing up in an open public forum, whatever the case may be, at least five or 10 times. And if things aren't heard, if I'm not heard, if things aren't even being addressed or I'm not being acknowledged, then perhaps this is not the right place for me. That to me makes, makes sense. It's like a strategy. I've done my part. I've put it out there. I've spoken to individuals and addressed it with them directly, hoping that they would hear me. And it's not. So now it makes sense. The other part is, of course, you can't, you can, but you shouldn't simply just walk away out of frustration. You, nope. you have obligations, nope. yeah. you have debt, um, you may have a family to support currently. So it, it, it requires a strategy to go from where you are to where you want to be. And that also means before you get to B from point A, you have to probably tolerate a little bit more discomfort, pain, uh, and, and, and just the negative aspects of working in the current role that you're in, in order to move strategically forward. So I would agree with you 100% on that. Ed, I want to bring up- one You know, I, I will go, go back and, and just highlight one part. I, in my career, um, when I transitioned from my independent community pharmacy days, um, I did go to work for the larger chains. And I will tell you that 30 years ago, the conditions that you see today, they were pretty much the same 30 years ago. And those stores are still here and they're still practicing the same way uh, 30 years later. So, and they're still drawing and attracting people to go to work there. And it, it given that piece of information that this has been going on for what seems to be such a long time, it's yeah. no surprise that when you take a job, you, you really know what you're getting into. You don't, you don't, you don't 
truly realize the impact on yourself uh, is when you go into and, and you have to experience this day after day. But, you know, um, we can't be lackadaisical. We can't sit on our laurels and we can't just sit around and complain. There's an array of different things. There's so much innovation and creativity in the profession of pharmacy. There's so many non-traditional career paths that people can go down. Um, you know, I was on a call last night with an array of folks. It was a pharmacy call with the State of Illinois Association. And uh, if you look just on that single call and the vast array of, of, of practice in, uh, activities that the group, there was 10 of us. So if you look at just how non-traditional roles that all of these people have taken on, there was one individual on the call that was a, a staff pharmacist in a chain store and just felt stuck in, in that role and activity. And, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that there, there, there's no glue that's holding your feet to the, to the, to the floor that, that you, you just can't, you, there, there's enough, you can't just walk away. You, you, you can walk away. You can walk away from your current job. There's enough creativity and stuff out there to do that you can move on and do something else. Agreed. And um, it, the, let, me, know, it, let me let me pick you back off of let me pick you back off of your last uh, introduction, right? Because you were talking about being on a call with a pharmacy association. You know, this is an observation of mine, and I'd like to understand what your what your perspectives are. The bulk of pharmacy associations see the most engagement participation and ideation from students. Students are what I see like are gravitate towards state, regional, national pharmacy associations. They're highly pumped, very participatory, uh, you know, come to the table with ideas and then they graduate and something happens and across the board, regardless of which association I'm referring to, whether again, state, national, anything, um, the drop-off is pretty significant, at least in pharmacy. And I'd like to get an, a better, and I've been a part of many associations myself post-graduation, and I've seen the challenges of you know, retaining members, attracting new members. I guess my, my question for you, Ed, because you are in a pivotal role with the, with the job that you have working with different associations and organizations today, do pharmacy associations still provide value to members? And, and if yes, what is that value that isn't being properly communicated so that they can grow their, their membership? Well, I'll, I'll start with the student life. And um, it's a very interesting uh, that you bring up the students because if you think about it, um, students are so active in associations and um, organized pharmacy life because it's all self-contained within the four walls of the institution. So you, you go to school either virtually today or in person and part of your class load and responsibilities and activities include getting um, active within different associations. And I'll tell you, I did it when I was in school. And when I graduated pharmacy school, when I graduated pharmacy school, the same thing that's happening today. I left school. I was all excited. I wanted to go into practice. And I left all my association affiliations within those four walls. And I went off to, to form my career. I got married, had children, 
bought a house, cars, all that stuff. You know, life got in the way. So I became a pharmacist. I was extremely successful. I was very happy. But it wasn't until I left my independent pharmacy days and got into the grocery store at Dominic's that I learned um, that I needed to be a part of pharmacy associations for two reasons. Number one, to keep up with the future of pharmacy, I needed to be a part of those associations so that I knew what was going on and I knew what was coming in the future. Mm. And by learning those things, I was able to tailor the practice at Dominic's to be innovative and creative. We were the first in the country, um, one of the first, I would say probably one of the top 10 organizations that embraced the APHA immunization program back in the middle 90s. Yeah. So we trained all our pharmacists and provided immunization services back in the middle 90s. And we were the first in the state of Illinois to have community pharmacy residency programs. The only way we learned about those things and could be so creative and mirror what students were learning in the College of Pharmacy was to be part of the associations. So we tied college life, association life to everyday practice. And we were very successful and able to do that. Today, in some environments, that still continues. In some environments, there's a complete and total disconnect. So being that 98% of practicing pharmacists today are employees, the first thing that employees think about is, my boss is gonna take care of this. My company will take care of me. My company will be active and promote the profession of pharmacy. And that concept and notion failed and fails everyone all the way through the entire system because the companies are in it to, to be successful. And they're going to work and drive activities that benefit the broader company. Yes. Not so much for the actual individual. The individual, you know, comes in and, and, and provides a good um, day's work, gets a fair wage, and off they go. What the individual pharmacist today has to do, just like we did in student life, we have to find a way to embrace the organized pharmacy. State associations are my favorite place to start because every state association focuses in on the practice specific to the state that they practice, that you practice in. So for the state of Illinois, where we both reside, the state association is key, especially over the last two years with COVID, uh, the release of vaccine and the extra training that was necessary, um, who organize and, and train all of the technicians to be able to embrace immunization services. All of those activities came out of the state association. Yet state associations across the country struggle probably because they don't market themselves enough or strong enough to, to really tell the story of what they do for every single pharmacist and technician that's practicing today. And, you know, we, we really have to go back and embrace that. You know, even if it's just a check to a donation, whatever you can afford, or you get involved, you want to have a voice, you want to be part of the process, then jump right in. You just go to the deep end, hop in, and, and there's plenty of room in all these associations for good people with, with needs and wants and energy uh, to change, to change, 
have your voice heard and offer your suggestions, your solutions to impact the practice of pharmacy. And we can all do that. And I've done it, you've done it. We're active. I mean, we're, we've, we've gotten um, involved in associations. Um, actually, I'll tell you a little story. Sure. Um, I'm actually a member of multiple state associations because I find that if you, if you just limit yourself, and this is my part of my job, and I will say that, um, to, to know what's going on across the country in pharmacy. So I do embrace up to six different associations, state associations, and it's, it's a consistent, constant activity. They truly understand what practice is, what changes are necessary at every level, and they can really use and they would appreciate um, truly representing every pharmacist in the state. And, and they don't have that. And it's very unfortunate. Well, it's a new year, Ed. And maybe the listeners of this podcast will hear that message and make some take some action. We can only hope. Well, I can, I'll, I'll give you one last thought on this topic and then we can move on. Sure. Um, you, you really have to stay within the profession to change the profession. If you go outside of the profession of pharmacy and yes. you think that somebody else is going to come in and impact or change the profession of pharmacy, you're going down a path that has been proven over time to fail. So we, we really not, we really got to look inside the profession itself, find those avenues that will benefit you, the listener here, uh, the most and get involved. If you're not involved, you can't be part of change. You can't demand change. You have to be part of the process. Yes, I, I agree 100%, Ed. Ed, I want to talk a little bit about you now. We spend a lot of time, you know, talking about your company and the industry that we were both in. But, you know, I find that you're, you know, one of the reasons why, of course, I tried, invited you to be a guest on this podcast is because of the arc of your career and the various things that you've been involved in and seen um, and the steps that you've taken are just remarkable. They're very, they're, they're, they're a pattern for people to follow if they want to see success. So you mentioned this earlier. I know that you owned your own pharmacy uh, or pharmacies in the past. You joined another company. You then moved on and became a director of pharmacy operations at Safeway. You then moved and became a director of clinical operations at Walgreens. I think uh, you managed several different roles. And I think, at, if I'm not mistaken, you moved into a senior director role with them prior to uh, accepting a role as the executive vice president of pharmacy advocacy at MJH Life Sciences, which is where you are now. I'd like to understand, you know, I mean, because you've seen so many different pieces of pharmacy, different problems, different processes, you've had um, a cornucopia, so to speak, of just different experiences that have helped hone your strengths and your skills. But, you know, in this role, it sounds like it's a combination of some things and a combination of new things. What did you do to prepare for this role? And if you didn't have to necessarily prepare for the role, how did you know that it was the right role for you? Well, you know, I go back to um, the, the evolution of my practice. So I was, um, as an independent community owner, I had a very successful and rewarding career. But I will say that um, mid-career, I had lived my dream and it was over. It, it was a very difficult, you talk about a dark time, you live your dream and it, and it stops. You have to reinvent. Um, and I had to reinvent from scratch my entire career 
all of my dreams and aspirations. And, and, and I will tell you that uh, my time at Dominic's Safeway um, really was a pivotal uh, time for me because it, I learned and I understood uh, the need for associations and to be involved in the broader world of pharmacy. Um, I understood that. And that's a key point. You have to understand the value and then go in there with specific uh, accomplishments, things that you want to accomplish. So learning, understanding, and then a natural progression led to networking. And I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to network like no other that I know of. It's just amazing. Um, if, if you get once you get into association life and you're embedded into that, the networking and the people you you get to meet leads then to being part of solutions, innovation, and change to the practice of pharmacy. And um, I will say that uh, I, to this day, I continue in that vein. And I will say that that's really been a strength for me uh, to prepare me for all of my roles uh, as I reinvented myself uh, when I got into chain pharmacy. And I will say that uh, another thing I learned when I was at Safeway uh, that I need, I was, I felt I wasn't contemporary in the world of pharmacy. Mm. Many people ridiculed me that I went back and got my PharmD as, as opposed to an MBA to focus on the business aspect. But I went back and it was always a dream to have a PharmD and I went back and I accomplished that. And it, it, it then sent me up another level in my quest to move on and reinvent myself in the world of pharmacy. So the association work, the PharmD, uh, I will tell you that um, the director job at Safeway never would have happened if I didn't go back to school and stay contemporary and understand the profession at the higher level for today. That then in, in the, when, when that's 20 years ago, but uh, for that day, I needed to understand and, and be able to embrace uh, the change and keep pharmacy contemporary at the time. And uh, all of my experiences at, at Safeway and at Walgreens led and prepared me from a practice perspective to take on the role that I have at MJH to be their liaison to community practice. Because I've touched every aspect of community practice, done everything that you could possibly imagine, uh, survived you know, many, many years of corporate life, uh, it was probably the very, very best of times and the very, very, probably the most challenging of times as well, because you're the expectation. If you think the expectation at the store is a lot, the corporate arena, the expectation is uh, exponentially more. So um, I have truly uh, been blessed, as you say, uh, with a career that's just afforded me uh, opportunities because I continue to move forward with the energy and the want to learn, to grow, and to embrace change. And by doing all of that, I, I just, and today I still do that. I'm still learning. You I'm do. still full of energy and I'm still embracing change and trying to help people to understand and motivate them to change the profession of pharmacy. I'd like to, before I leave pharmacy, I'd like to see it truly change. Good. And, and I'm sure it will, because you, you're still very, very involved. And I love seeing that in you because, you know, you, you may or may not know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're still an inspiration to me. 
like 25 years of being, you know, having met you, known you, worked with you. Like every time I turn around and I see an article, a video, something that includes the name Ed Cohen, I'm like, listen, this guy is just a legend. Um, and I, I mean that because I think that that's something that most people should have is that somebody that they can still continuously look at and says, I'm proud of that. I'm very happy for him. And I want to do something because he's inspiring me or she's inspiring me to do the same. So I certainly hope that that will be the case, um, which kind of then leads me to my next question. And that is, you know, you and I can both honestly admit that while we may have a certain amount of intellect and a certain amount of uh, strength and courage, we certainly are not responsible for our own success. A lot of people have helped us along the way. They've either opened doors, they've nurtured us, encouraged us. Some of them have been mentors. Some of them have been sponsors. Maybe some of them have just been inspiring leaders. Ed, is there somebody in your professional life that you look back and when you reflect and look back, that you really feel that you owe them a shout out or a kudos or just a moment of gratitude for what they've done for you to help you achieve what you've achieved thus far? Well, um, through my uh, transition from independent community pharmacy to chain pharmacy, uh, two people come to mind. Um, you always wonder just, you know, the kinds of friends and friendships you make when you're going through school. And uh, you keep those friendships throughout your entire adult life and career. And uh, gentlemen that you know and are aware, both these guys, you know, uh, Michael Weiner, uh, a friend and colleague. Um, was there when I when I needed to transition from independent life to chain life? Michael Weiner embraced me, took me, led me, showed me, and actually got me a job at Walgreens uh, as my first uh, job post independent community days. So that gentleman is the first shout out that that needs to happen. The second is Avery Spunt, oh, yeah. who spent thirty years at. Uh, uh, the UIC College of Pharmacy, and then took on a similar role at Midwestern. And um, he and I, uh, from a practice perspective, uh, have always uh, sparred about pharmacy life. And uh, anytime I had a question or needed someone to bounce an idea off of, I would always go to Avery. So those two gentlemen have been there for me my entire career. And uh, still today, uh, if I was to need something, I could call on either one of them and they would be right there for me. So we both know Avery rather well, and I'm glad that you mentioned Avery. I, you may or you, you probably may not know this, Mike Weiner was my first DM too. Uh, and so I hadn't even thought about him in, in decades, but he was a very nice, very nice man. Uh, and I just remember like the conversations, there were few, well, those conversations were impactful. And I just remember him like yes. really taking the time to listen. He, he never came yes. to the table with a directive or an order or I don't care what you say. This is what needs to happen. He was always about what's going on with you. And I remember that very distinctly. So those are two strong leaders. Uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned them by name. Uh, and I hope that they're listening. And I hope that they understand what impact they've had on you, myself, and the profession of pharmacy as well. Ed, um, when you look back at your career, is there one particular achievement or accomplishment that you can identify and say, I've done a lot of great things, but I'm really, really proud of that? What would that, what would that one feather in your cap be so far? 
Wow. You know, um, I've, I've always been very, very fortunate to surround myself with people that are smarter than me and uh, guide me and help me. You know, we all had our strengths. Not one person alone is just like one person. But if you have a great team, you're able to accomplish uh, a lot of different things. Um, embracing immunization services back in the 90s um, and being a leader in that regard uh, has been a pivotal uh, um, experience in my career. And then when I went to Walgreens um, and they wanted to scale up to get into the immunization business, I was part of that team uh, that built that program as well. So having the opportunity to do it twice uh, immunization services has become a, a passion for me, something that I've embraced and truly wanted to continue. And in my current role, um, it's very, very clear in a lot of the projects that I take on that immunizations, pharmacists provided immunization services are a passion for me. And I, I have to shout out to uh, Judy Summers Hansen, who was a uh, uh, my counterpart through all those Dominic's days and it, an inspiration all through my Walgreens experience as well to uh, make sure that uh, as we embraced clinical programs and clinical services, um, she was always there uh, as a right hand or I was her right hand or she was my right hand and we just made pharmacy magic happen. It was amazing. Love it. Love it. And, and thank you for sharing with us that moment. I think, again, not everybody realizes the the people that have opened, paved the way for some of the things that we do now. So knowing that you were instrumental with that at both Safeway and Walgreens um, clearly is, is an indicator of, of the strength and the, the leadership that you bring. Ed, you know, I we've talked a lot about your professional life as well, but, you know, you're a human being just as much as I am and you have uh, different tastes in different books and you know movies and things of that nature. One of the things that I always find captivating for myself and my listeners is to find new sources of personal enrichment and uh, personal growth. Um, as I've mentioned many times, you know I'm a big TEDx watcher. I love learning through videos, uh, and I listen to audio books. You know, and there are several people that I follow. What is your either most recent or favorite or go-to uh, source of, of personal enrichment and personal growth? Well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking about that question for a long time um, and I must come up with the uh, number one thing is that I don't really have a favorite place. Um, I'm happy, you know, just that when I get away from the day's activities and such, just um, anything that will take me away from uh, my professional life and kind of give me uh, some solace is, is, you know, I'm probably a sucker for a chick flick. I'm, I'm also a sucker for a good uh, cops and robber movie, you know? So, uh, it, you know, one of the, th those are two things. I will tell you that um, one of the quotes I live by mm -hmm. um, is, is a very, very simple and something that actually my father would always say, you know, if you don't succeed, you got to keep trying. And uh, I've been, um, I can tell you that I've lived by that because all of the opportunities that I've realized, most of them anyways, have never come with the first try. Yeah. So if I would have 
just, you know, tried to move forward. And, you know, when I became supervisor at, at, at Safeway, I failed the first time. It wasn't until the second time. Director, I had to prove myself in that role in order for it to, you know, there was a lot of trial and error and growth and, you know, learning. And, um, you know, the, the old antage, you know, if you don't succeed, try, try again is true today. And uh, if there's never a simpler quote that anyone should take away from uh, this conversation, that's the one. That's I it. love it. So. I love it. And it's certainly a foundational pillar for my faith and my belief as well, that you just keep on moving forward. And we've talked about yeah. a lot of different things. You've, you've imparted a lot of advice and wisdom with the, with the listeners today. Uh, we've talked about networking. We've talked about being involved. We've talked about try, try again. Is there one final piece of advice that you would share with the listeners that are healthcare professionals and executives looking to advance their career that maybe we haven't touched on yet? Well, I can only, um, what I, the advice I give to students and the advice that I've given throughout my career is, you know, you can't be afraid to take a risk. You, you really have to understand that, yes, we're all very comfortable in our, whatever our current environment is, but we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to embrace risk and change. And if we can do those things, we can all work together change the profession of pharmacy. I love it. And I appreciate it very much. Ed, you've been a phenomenal guest. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for imparting your advice and your sharing with us your story. Ed, there will be people who are going to reach out and want to get to know you a little bit better and, and talk to you. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way is probably through email or social media. I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm probably the easiest guy to find um, out there in social media. Um, but through the company website, I am listed there and um, I'm, I'm in every publication as well. So uh, to find me is probably one of the easier things. So please reach out uh, through email or social media. I'd love to continue this dialogue and conversation. I'm always willing to help and, uh, and, and uh, be there for whomever would need some help. Thanks again for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm wishing you a very successful 2022, and I look forward to seeing you take healthcare to a higher level. And I thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Higher podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career, build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.